welcome back to It Was Murder, the number one heart-to-heart podcast in the world. And we are now in our second episode of Chain Reaction Open Season. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. And I'm your devoted lover, Ellen Ito. And I'm the runaway virgin, Joe Garber. <laughs> and runaway. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Scampering across the field as you shoot at me. <laughs> runaway from Boston. Yes. <laughs> Today, uh, we have the pleasure and honor to mm-hmm. discuss the film, <laughs> The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, which <laughs> yes. we, has been <laughs> delayed, listener. You know it's been delayed because the episode <laughs> is coming out on a Saturday instead of on a Friday. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I yes. got very, very ill last week with a cold that basically put me out for three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I still have a cough that won't go away, which is super annoying. And we had a cabin retreat. And then, yes, we had a cabin retreat that we thought was going to be able to facilitate a uh, a video call, but mm-hmm. alas, the internet is uh, not very friendly there. Yep. But who cares? Because we watched <laughs> 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 Rainer Werner Fassbender's The Bitter Tears of Petra Van Kant. I had never seen this movie. I am mm. so, I wow. mean, astonished by that. Me too. I, That's shocking. Fassbender, excuse me. Um, I have a a Fassbender shaped hole in my cinematic mm-hmm. uh, life, which I am I am spoiler alert going to voraciously fill. Oh yeah, because oh, I'm I so thrilled. fucking loved this movie mm. so much. Spoiler alert. We have been Joe and I. So we have been so good. We have not said a word to each other about this fucking astounding oh. film yeah we watched it like in <laughs> silence and then just <laughs> went about our business and it's been really really oh my hard gosh, you were a Fossbender film while you watched it. <laughs> yeah in, did you watch it in the tiny cabin because no we watched it perfect we watched it at home on our big beautiful tv mm-hmm. which yeah. was perfect <clears throat> yeah um i almost watched it again last night because i was just like i want to i want to refresh her um but God damn, no, but instead we had to watch The Fucking Curse, which, uh, Oof. yeah, everybody could skip The Curse, uh, just yeah. say Did that you watch definitively. That? <laughs> the Nathan Fielder. I, I hear, I hear mixed reviews. Mm. Love, hates. Yeah, I don't know. Easy targets done poorly. <laughs> um, but that's just my opinion. And, and a digression. A digression. Joe, <laughs> yes. Do you want to tell us what happened in the bitter tears Me of Petra Van Kant? First, oh shit! In sixty seconds. Oh my god! For oh, our segment, we call the minute max. All right. What happened in the bitter tears of Petra von Kant? <laughs> Let me think about question. that. This is so provocative. I know. <laughs> All right. A woman wakes up and her assistant, uh, about when her assistant opens the blinds and blinds her with the sunlight. And she's very abusive towards this assistant. Her friend comes over and tells her about this new girl that she has. Or wait, maybe it's her cousin (laughs) that comes over and tells her about a new girl that is in town. And then that girl comes over and (laughs) she, uh, Petra instantly falls in love with this uh, woman, Helena, I think. 
Is that her name? And so throughout the course of this five act movie, which all takes place in the Petra's bedroom, uh, the assistant is just in the background, silent, completely silent, being mistreated by Petra. Petra's slowly falling more and more in love with uh, this young woman and the young woman leaves her for her husband. And then Petra on her has the best birthday celebration in the world. <laughs> the most fun birthday where she's waiting by the phone or she tells her families that they're all pieces of shit and she hates them. And the woman never comes back to her. And then the assistant, uh, uh, packs her bag and gets the fuck out. Packs up her gun and her dresses <laughs> and gets the fuck out. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if that if wow. I said what happens at all. Um, you've um, you did a pretty good yes, job. Yes, I, I think you did. Say what happens, <laughs> Ellen. Uh, let okay. let's hear I, your insights. Just, great. I have so many. How will I fit them all into, into a this minute? Tiny amount of time. I won't. Okay. <laughs> the Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, 1972's film from Werner, Werner, Rainer Werner Fassbender. <laughs> you know what? It's based <clears throat> on a play, but you can hardly tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I love it. But you might not know that from the way I'm about to describe it. Okay. So, um, did I already use up all the time? Mm -hmm. Great. <laughs> um. So Petra von Kant's a designer, and the whole thing takes place in her claustrophobic apartment. And Marlena is her um, assistant, servant, whatever. They have a weird kind of like dom submissive thing going on. Uh, her cousin Sidonie comes over, and she's like, hey, have you met Karin? Karin is from a fucked up childhood. She's married, and she's here to use you. Um, and her sexuality to vault herself into a successful career. Meanwhile, you're going to uh, say a lot of weird shit, slowly lose hope, and try and drink yourself to death, and then, you know, wear some wigs. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Do you use the full minute? Is it still going? Is it still going? <laughs> I don't know. It did not seem oh, like a minute. I thought I really, I thought I really put my foot on the gas there. Do you want me to do it again? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Are you sure? Because I feel like I really nailed it. You did. I mean, for people out there that weren't going to watch this movie yet or weirdly listening to the pod, mm. they are absolutely going to watch this movie now just based on that. No offense, Joe. But... Mm. I really, really hope that they do. Right? Because mm. wigs. Yeah, wigs. Okay. Let me see if I can get through this without. A uh, <clears throat> horrifying coughing fit. Okay. Bitter tears of... <clears throat> nope. Yep. Nope. Can't do it. Uh, bitter tears of Petra Franca. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, a very successful designer in Germany <clears throat> has an assistant who does all of her work for her, and she treats her like garbage. Um, her cousin shows up with this extremely beautiful young blonde woman named Karen, who... Hmm. Uh, as Ellen mentioned, uses Petra von Kant to become a superstar model in the weirdest episode of America's Next Top Model ever. <laughs> um, Petra is in love with her, and she uh, has a very serious drinking problem. Um, once Karen leaves her for her for Karen's husband, uh, Petra literally just goes completely bananas, um, puts on the blonde wig. Drinks herself into a complete oblivion. Her entire family comes over for a birthday party and she says, you're all a bunch of whores. Marlena, 10 bottles of gin. And then, uh, 
after speaking to Karen on the phone, she has a moment of clarity where she says, Marlena, I love you. And Marlena says, I'm out of here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Nice job. <laughs> and you almost didn't cough. Gosh. Almost. Uh, I mean, where do you, where do you start with this? I, I want to like- start with what you said. You, you mentioned that it's based on a play. So uh, I, I read that Fassbender wrote this on a flight from Berlin to Los Angeles. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> Which makes, yeah. makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on a play and the play has a slightly different ending from the film. Interesting. Oh, what is, how does the play end? Um, the film has the additional action by Marlena where Ugh. she packs her suitcase and leaves. Which, okay. which I have to say is great. Makes the entire movie for me. Because I, I love the movie up to that point, but once that happens, yeah. I my heart opened wide and enveloped the entire movie. <laughs> Mar- Marlena really um really moved you. Yeah. Marlena mm. is my one of my favorite uh, characters in a movie that I've seen in many, many years. She, that's the one time Petra is nice to her, right? Yeah. And then she packs her bag. The, well, because, the one nice thing. Because that's not the relationship yeah. that, they, that they have. Yeah. They, uh, they have some kind of dominant. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a sadomasochistic, sadomasochistic relationship. 100%. But you never really see it. It's always, I mean, you're wondering what Marlena's thinking about while she the shots include her in the background or furiously typing away on her typewriter for so long that it just blends into the background and it's such an annoying noise but it just goes away into the background for that really long scene like an entire act almost she's typing away at this typewriter so this is yeah this is what i I wanted to bring up uh with the play the play aspect of this Mm -hmm. this movie is 100 percent a filmed play Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I hate that. Most of the time, that really, really? yes. Mm. We've discussed this before. Like, huh. a lot of times I see Why don't I a filmed play um, where they don't, uh, they don't expand on the scope. So mm. it's, you know, a one-room <laughs> a one room movie is kind of a bore to me. It's like a waste of film. Um, Usually. This is a, yeah, this is a broad, that's a very broad thing to say. And it doesn't, it obviously doesn't, I don't mean that for every instance but in general i get bored Mm. when i'm just looking at one room for for an hour and a half to two hours Mm. let me tell you this (laughs) the cinematographer who is our link oh yeah i was just mesmerized by the camera movements Mm -hmm. the lighting the okay the (laughs) the actors are all very deliberately posing they're in they're, the blocking is very extreme like everyone stands and sits mm-hmm. in such specific placement like yeah. they are made to be rigidly like adherent <laughs> to to uh chalk marks on the floor or whatever and that allows the cinematographer to move the camera like he's a jazz pianist mm-hmm. like he's just it moves around and he's like, he's able to find these shots yeah. that, that just are so mind blowing. There's a scene in particular um, with, yeah, it's before Karen shows up where Petra and Sidney Sidney are sitting on the bed facing the same direction while Marlena is drawing or she's, she's finishing a sketch in the background. And the camera's just slowly, languidly moving around these women. And then it just like 
leaves Petra to find Marlena completely out of focus mm. and then slowly kind of brings her into focus just mm. so that we see that she's listening. Yeah. And is that the moment when she's crying too? Yes. The movie is filled with these. Yeah. The, the movie is filled with these moments where it's like the camera, the camera movements make it so that more than a filmed play, this is a film of a play. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not just yeah. a static camera. Yeah. It's not. It's not even just like follow the actors. Make sure that you catch you catch the actors' performance. It's it's one hundred percent like mise en scène. Like we, it's cinema mm. in a beautiful right. just, way. Just for the sake of saying it right, Michael Ballhaus is um, a thrice nominated academy award nominated cinematographer mm. he had a career that was more than 50 years long he won the golden bear at the berlin film festival for mm. lifetime achievement nice i think he he did a so i feel like his hollywood stuff is kind of like random in a way but i think he's for people that don't track things like who is the cinematographer for this and that People have seen his work, whether mm. you, I think it, it, you could not avoid it if you even just casually take in Hollywood oh, films. Yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> of course we got here because he f first worked with Martin Scorsese as the cinematographer for After Hours, but he worked with Fassbender for 17 films uh -huh. total. Um, <clears throat> and he comes from a, sort of a filmic family. Um, his mom was an actress, I think, and he had relatives that worked in German cinema and television at the time. And so mm. he started his career working in television. But um, this film in particular, people always talk about <clears throat> the marriage of, of Maria Braun being. <clears throat> oh, Eric, I caught your cough. Uh -oh. No. <laughs> <clears throat> through the computer. Um <laughs> about that just being like the masterpiece and I'm inclined to agree, but this mm -hmm. is more um, of the Fassbender uh, work that he did. This is my favorite in mm -hmm. terms of just, just on the cinematography alone. There's so many things I, I was trying to think about like, Oh my God, what am I going to, what are the things I'm going to pull out of this film? And quite honestly, I just feel overwhelmed or perhaps i feel just sated but i know that's not the point of us talking about it is so that i just lie back uh, <laughs> yeah. contentedly uh -huh. on on my weird bed with that yeah. exact weird shaggy smoking rug. a cigarette uh-huh yeah <coughs> yeah there so there's a, a little information about the man um that brought us to this point yeah i'm so I, glad we're here it's so stunning and the the one set is so inspiring. It's just like what you can do with just that one location and like three or four actors, maybe five, six, since you have the daughter and the mom, I guess. Yeah. But, but Joe, do you have do you have an opinion? Like like what's your take? Eric's Eric generally leans towards not liking a certain kind of of approach with plays made into films mm. and to single set film. Like, do you have any like strong opinions on that? I guess you... when you can see that sometimes, sometimes I don't like that very much when you can really see it. But with something like mm. this, I didn't see it as much. This felt like uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf to me, sort of with the set work, which is also the same thing, I guess. But it, I, it did have that feeling a little bit because of 
there being only one location more than anything it felt like a play because of that Uh, but i didn't really i don't really i can't really think of an example of that where i hate it instantly Mm -hmm. unless i just also don't like the play or whatever's being shown uh yeah i don't know i guess i don't watch a lot of those what are some other examples of that that you're thinking of um who's afraid of virginia wolf is a really good example of of where i like Mm -hmm. a filmed play and that one expands on its uh landscape like it, it it's not just the house they go to a bar they, yeah there's, right there's, right but they're all except they're outside they there's there's a lot yeah um i'm thinking of so robert altman one of my favorite filmmakers did a lot of filmed plays so mm. he did he did mm-hmm. streamers he did uh secret honor mm. i find them intensely boring you know who um, feels like that a lot now is wes anderson <laughs> That feels like just play sets that are being filmed. It does, but at least he's got a visual style. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm no but... longer really uh, the audience for Wes Anderson, but I do. <laughs> I I do think that as a filmmaker, he's he's unparalleled. Like he has a visual style that's mm. unmistakable mm-hmm. and deserves to be celebrated for for being that consistent. Yeah, I guess, and that aggressive. I guess, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, I. I'm trying like there's a there's one called Closet Land that I that mm. I found painful like to sit through. Mm. There's there's a lot like it's you but it it's specifically one room. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and when this movie started, the first twenty minutes of this movie, I was like, fuck, mm. like this is really I I really was hoping it wasn't gonna be a filmed play <laughs> like this uh-huh. but like you were saying like the the use of that set yeah was wonderful like one the mural the mural makes your eyes dance the poussin yes. yeah um, it's also a, another character in in the film totally yeah it's, it's like new york i, I want to talk about that that's yeah. a, a painting of midas having the gift of the golden touch being removed by bacchus that's what that painting is showing. I just I looked that up and I was wondering what is that? It's so prominent, obviously. Mm-hmm. What is the symbolism there? Do you think is there any or I what mean, is that? We could say we could say that Karen removes uh, Petra's power mm-hmm. from her. Mm-hmm. Um, we could say that uh, Marlene removes her removes her uh, removes. The her contribution to Petra oh, yeah. at the end. Yeah. The cursed um, gift that she gives to um, Karen. Yeah. Like the <laughs> touch of gold that she gives her, but also this weird relationship that she gets trapped into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really uh, interesting. I mean, I think there's some other just more direct lines to the, the figures and the formal aspects of the painting, mm. just in terms of the composition of the figures. Mm-hmm. And the work is is often mirrored yeah. in um, the placement of the actresses. There's the element of, about Bacchus and the drink. There's yeah. the mm-hmm. nudity and the, the sexuality of that. There's, you know, you could maybe make some connections to, you know, just the <clears throat> style of the painting. But I just want to say one thing about plays as films oh, before yeah. we mm-hmm. move on because nobody asked me to but i'm a time <laughs> um because i love that oh um like and but i 
sometimes it's not so much about loving it in terms of the actual thing that I am I am experiencing the actual work itself. Sometimes it is just about that feeling that is so palpable and familiar, the the feeling of experiencing live theater and and the opportunities and limitations that that um provides <clears throat> for artists and writers mm-hmm. and i i think I, i'm always kind of excited mm-hmm. when i know that that's going to happen or especially if i don't know that's what i'm getting into and and you can just feel it mm-hmm. i was thinking like in like in the past few years i think of um did you guys see george wolf's ma rainey's black bottom no. oh i watched i i didn't i didn't see the whole thing no that I felt like that was a good example of kind of like a happy medium, but of course it's directed by a, a you know, award-winning theater director, but the way that it was presented just to me gave you the best sense of the intimacy and the intensity and the focus mm-hmm. that live theater for me ideally provides you with when you're telling that kind of story, when you're telling a story that's really, really focused on relationships and so for me with Fassbender he so frequently uses the single set and so often it is interiors and it holds us there you know it really compounds this it really magnifies the melodrama that he really starts digging into at this point Mm -hmm. and I think it does what a great relationship play will do which is it just lays it out for you it makes you think about all of the phases and stages and who you might be in the Mm. context of what's happening between these characters so for me like i love all of it but Mm, yeah the way that it's shot i can't imagine experiencing these characters or this story without the brilliance of this cinematography Yeah. yeah oh my god yeah and i have to say beyond just the framing beyond like this the way the camera's just brushing like languorously along Mm -hmm. um and then but then suddenly it's like really rhythmic like you're saying eric that was so beautiful to say it's like jazz yeah Mm. right it's so perfect but i also love um the way that ballhouse like really brings in saturated color which is something that he does like Mm -hmm. in everything that he works on and it's just really makes the difference here and it really pulls the the pops of color out of that painting it's just mm-hmm. oof, just the shots oh the end when the bed is gone the final oh yeah act, I love that. and the yeah. camera is lying on the floor and i had a moment that i hadn't <clears throat> hadn't been able to have until now which was any now that we have all of our camera phones and filming stuff on the phones like now that angle reads as something <clears throat> entirely different to me and somewhat distracting because of course the first time i saw this film that was definitely not a thing yeah and so it was interesting just to have that little weird 2024 moment oh yeah with that camera angle but anyways (laughs) that's so funny that that shot too i think is when they're in front of that painting and they're all the actors are just like arranged in such a perfect way that that composition in front of that painting is so crazy and the colors that like yeah. every, everyone has their primary color <laughs> yeah totally mm-hmm. it's amazing yeah i the <clears throat> let's talk about the clothes oh my god um, oh, please so like first first thing that happens <laughs> is we see petra put on 
a house coat <laughs> that oh uh, yeah could murder <laughs> could murder you <laughs> it's got like fringe and fur cuffs and a fur collar and like a silk robe with fringe it's so good oh, it's but so the best good. part is the the uh lame stripe running down the back of the arm oh, oh my god yeah. yes yeah. Oh, and then of course we are introduced like we are introduced to the film with Marlena who is wearing just this black um oh, she looks so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um she even gets a special credit in this uh yeah. uh the, she's magical. Cuz she yeah like this movie is dedicated to Erm. to Erm uh who became Marlene Marlena. That's the actor yes. who's playing Marlena. Okay. <clears throat> That's interesting. It, she's it's it's her second Fossbender film. And oh, then okay. she's she's in The Merchant of Four Seasons. I have to watch all of his movies now after <laughs> yeah. watching this one. Yes, I I am I'm 100% have with fun you. With that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be our our little side project. Yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, so we she looks so stunning with <laughs> with the white makeup and the red hair perfectly waved. Yeah. Like also it's I love the style of this movie. I love the style of the clothes. I love the style of the hair and the makeup. It's impossible to know what time period it is without the inclusion of the records, mm. Um, mm. which I also loved. Like, perfect song selection. The three, mm. the three songs in the movie are absolutely perfect. Huh. Um, but, okay, so <laughs> we get a, she gets up. She puts on makeup. She puts on her wig. She puts on her insane house coat. Her friend comes over who is wearing like 20 pounds of makeup. Uh-huh. She looks exactly like a German Georgia Hard Stark from My Favorite Murder. Um, everyone is just so fabulous. This whole style is so my thing. Yeah. Um, Karen shows up again, like everyone's beautiful. And mm. Karen, Karen shows up and like they just enters the flapper. room. And sits yeah. down, sits down, finding her light, which is just so amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> the the outfits that they're wearing, of course, like the outfits that they're wearing when they have their first encounter when she comes over, are so over the top mm. and utterly perfect in that regard. Where mm-hmm. Petra's wearing like these binding, this this long. Uh, tool skirt that's yeah. got these binding like dual banded elements that oh my run God. You know, up <gasps> around uh, her legs and then she's got the beaded it's not a breastplate but it's like they're yeah it's so crazy but the I, what I love is that it speaks to that moment in the early 70s where everything is hearkening back you know it's the 50 year rule right yeah. so mm. everything is referencing the 20s mm-hmm. so they all look like some sort of coked out airte um <laughs> yeah they, she looks like a right? gustav klimt painting in that wild. in those shots with oh, that dress absolutely. on absolutely yeah the, not an accident the yeah, hair and the, yes wild yeah. updo and then karen it's, with her yeah she's got like a disco like breast piece on with a golden it's like armor she's she's <laughs> yeah the so way amazing. that the wardrobe forces the characters to have like that stilted uh posture mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. they all maintain throughout like mm-hmm. it's just they're just super erect even when they are are you know lying tragically or dramatically there's 
a stiffness and an angularity to all of their bodies. Maybe Karin less because she's meant to be the voluptuous, like sexy, soft, you know, character. Mm. Well, not soft personality, like innocent sort of young, just young. The the way that the the wardrobe limits Petra's movements, Mm -hmm. especially when you think of that actress who's so like life and. angular and long in every possible way like just slim and long and she's just constricted and it's such a great way to connect that to the claustrophobia oh yeah of the set and the story everything helped taught right just Mm -hmm. like yeah and then in that scene when they're dressed like these disco (gasps) just insanity that's when karen tells the story of her parents too this just really horrifying sad story of her dad's drinking and how he beat and murdered her mom and then went to jail or then hanged himself right mm-hmm. yeah that's mm-hmm. just it's so wild so so over the top crazy what i love about that scene and this time around what i was what i was feeling with that was just that moment when two people are trying to connect like that and i love the way that it's this this fast forward like this super rushed (gasps) relationship experience right where right off the bat we we see immediately how this is gonna go yeah that petra is besotted that karen is like a guarded you know, opportunist. Right? Yes. Yeah. And um, she's sycophantic, like not too much, but just enough to where we kind of get a sense of her. But when they're having this back and forth, and Petra is, um, although she's like, what does uh, Karen call the distinguished? She's so distinguished. Yes. Um, <laughs> but she's completely vulnerable and trying to please and woo. Karin and she's got this idealistic um vision of how how life should be how she feels she is how her childhood was so perfect and special but what what is the the moment that just just kills me is that you know that Petra is not actually listening to Karin or thinking about who Karin is, right? Mm-hmm. She just wants her so badly yeah. that she's just like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Mm, but don't <laughs> yeah. you think this? Don't you think that? Uh-huh. Don't you whatever. Oh. And Karin even tests her, you know, to test the waters when she says, when people find that out about me, yeah. And everything changes. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then Petra lets her in and Karin knows like. I've got, I've got her. Yeah, because she's like, yeah, wrapped it's around just my really finger. Really, such a a dance, and it's such a compressed amount of time in which so much happens. Oh yeah, it's just absolutely perfect. Yeah, and then the next scene, right? The next act is a complete one eighty, isn't it? Is that the next act where Karen's just or is loafing? It exactly or... how relationships go. Yeah, <laughs> Karen's just like loafing in bed. And... Sorry, those were bitter. That was a, bit, that was a bitter, bitter tear. tear. <laughs> um and petra just is like she really disgusted me in that in the next scene with her red wig just her just like you know it was 
it's her so you're like you're weak yeah you're <laughs> weak yeah you're being weak don't give her that much the way she just wants to be close to her no matter what and she's just getting like stepped on and just like so gross to watch this she her fawning over karen so hard of karen obviously is just doesn't give a shit and just wants to read her magazine or whatever mm. and petra is just like grasping on it's so weird and like warped to watch that play out it's bizarre but don't you also think it's interesting when you think of the conversation she has earlier with her cousin where her cousin's asking her about her previous relationships yeah and petra very much shows that she believes she has the upper hand even when it didn't go the way that she hoped yeah totally you know like for <laughs> for the love of her life to die but mm -hmm. she has now has this daughter that we don't meet till yeah <laughs> yeah till the happiest birthday ever <laughs> um happy 35th the best uh, birthday celebration uh, right but the way she's so dismissive and and she's kind of she's just kind of like oh yep well this you know and basically presents herself as somebody that you know like has a handle on it mm -hmm. understands it all mm -hmm. learns a lesson moves on mm -hmm. and it is devastating to see how quickly it turns. Right? Yeah. I think it's supposed to be like six months later. Yeah. Um, that they're at that place where Karin's like just yeah. <laughs> reading that magazine. Talking about going out uh, and like fucking people, yeah. fucking men at dance clubs and <laughs> the stuff. The inevitable shift of the balance of power is yeah. so it's fascinating. Really wild. And upsetting and yes. Amazing. This movie. I think I've seen Tar like 10 times now. It's one of my favorite movies now. But this movie really reminded me of Tar a lot in the those thematic elements of this power and like manipulation and sexual favors and all that kind of stuff. And then the shots too, especially the shot when uh, of Marlena in the other room looking in on through the window. Mm -hmm. There's shots in Tar of, that her assistant using their phone for these like live chat moments. And there's always this like character who's not really uh, shown at all. That's like really fucking shit up in the background, but you never see any of that in tar as well. So I thought it was super similar to that. And Todd Fields must've been, and then Petra, the name of the daughter in tar too. 100%. Yeah. Like must have been. they're, they're, multiple direct references to mm -hmm. bitter tears of mm -hmm. petra von Kanten in tar mm -hmm. um even mm -hmm. including the one that the one that really struck me was the dance uh when they're when oh, they're yeah when they're slowly yeah uh like dancing together yeah in the beginning of the film i was like oh this is that scene in tar where yeah. she's bringing she her steals her, her medication heart. for <laughs> her heart her heart rhythm but yeah, yeah this there's there's a ton there's yeah. a ton of these these things these references that it's so nice it's so nice to finally have a yeah to see the I the originator of this of so many that. things yes like mm -hmm. i this this is the art film of 1972 that everyone made fun of throughout the rest of the 70s mm. like this is what like saturday night live would do sketches mm -hmm. of uh of you know posing women doing this this movie and persona i think are mm -hmm. like linked in that uh, mm. Americans, Americans misunderstanding of art film. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, which I love. I just, I love that because I, I always love the, uh, like 
<laughs> the foreign film that confounds Americans to the point where they just have to make fun of it. Yes. Right. And another so reference, um, another favorite movie, Clouds of Sils Maria. Oh, the yeah. Maloha Snake, oh, the play yeah, yeah, yeah. in Clouds of Sils Maria is heavily <laughs> yeah. based on Bitter Tears, too, which is another yeah. amazing another, <laughs> reference yeah, like these, <laughs> that I love. This is, right, but then think of the influence of other directors on Fassbender. Mm-hmm. Um, the obvious, like, cirkiness of it all. Yeah. Mm. There's definitely the Douglas Cirque. There's, mm. uh, it's it's almost like this movie in particular is a is a behind the scenes of a Douglas Sirk film <laughs> or 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 even a Cecil B. DeMille film, really. Like mm. it's because it's uh, it's glamorous people mm. on their off time, um, mm-hmm. whereas most films were like, no, show them when they're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I just I. Yeah, I can't get over how, and this is, I guess, this this goes to what Ellen was saying about about filmed uh, plays or adaptations of live theater, which I'm not, I'm not, I guess, really, it was I'm not a fan of live theater, um, in general, mm-hmm. but uh, <clears throat> the way that theater is able to distill relationships. Uh, in a way that cinema usually gets bogged down in, in, um, in opulence or mm. in like, like we need to make this look flashy mm-hmm. uh, and it needs to be exciting and it needs to move at a certain pace, blah, 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 mm. you know, all the things. And theater allows for uh, dialogue and stillness to kind of tell deeper stories like deep like things beyond just words or or poses or whatever or sets um this just marlena again like marlena being <laughs> present in every scene yeah and only being barked orders at never it never says a single word in the film Mm-mm. um we still are we get to see how much she loves petra we get to see how much she hates cotton. <laughs> yeah. Um, the moment, the moment of joy in her face, this like subtle joy in Marlena's face when uh, cotton's like, I'm going to see my husband. Oh yeah. And Petra's like, driver to the driver to the airport. <laughs> yeah. She's got like her ticket and her suitcase ready to go. Totally amazing. I love that scene too, where Marlena is just like, there's, such melodramatic Petra's just like fawning over Karen who's just in bed and then Marlene is just in the corner crafting the ugliest dress I've ever seen <laughs> just like like she's like those people there's an SNL skit about lifetime movies where they're like raking their yard while the most just crazy drama's happening and they're like looking up at shit and that's what Marlene is doing in the corner with her ugly ass material just like <laughs> making this abomination of a mound of fabric while just like secretly watching and listening to this argument delightedly (laughs) i love it so great for me it's the use of the typing Mm. oh yeah um as dialogue (laughs) i mean like for me the typing that i feel like marlena does speak in so many wordless ways but this is the most overt aspect of that is the typing Mm. and the way that she sits down like it's at some points we see her sitting at the typewriter and considering 
you know, to, to begin to type, but yeah. at other points we just hear the voice of the, the typewriter keys and uh-huh. it's so amazing and funny. And I feel like just the pacing of it, the intensity of it, it um, I see that as Marlena, um, like her sight, her screaming inside, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, her for pleading, sure. Her screaming, mm-hmm. her waiting is really for me embodied in the sounds of the typewriter. And I think it's particularly brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Just like the use of of the songs that are chosen is is just a masterstroke. For me, it really is Marlena communicating through that typewriter. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. Amazing. But I don't know, like the melodrama. I think when you're, when we're talking about people not getting it or something, I think like it must be really, really hard or really easy if you can't go there with things that are stone cold melodrama right because Mm -hmm. you can i think it's easy in the sense that you can just it's easy for people to dismiss it as being horrible or being terrible acting or something and then they can just like raise their hands up and walk away right Mm -hmm. and feel absolutely secure in that choice yeah it's like that's great but i feel like if people are of a mind to wrestle with it or to argue back and forth with the work itself to, to, to struggle and try and understand if you can't, if you can't just like release yourself to the melodramatic, Mm -hmm. that's hard. I think that I've been that latter example at times and it's very specific to certain, certain works, but I love the melodrama and the Douglas Cirque films. I can remember seeing them on television and just being enthralled and kind of not really even understanding why. And I think it Mm. might have been because at a young age, I wasn't really taking it in as that much different, you know, or maybe I thought because these were older films that um, that was just how people were then or something. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've wondered about it. It's just tone to partially... I think if it's like if you're on board with the tone and the vibe and the feeling mm-hmm. of the of whatever you're watching, you're going to be on board with some of that melodrama. You're going to be willing to go along with it a little bit more. And if you're not, mm-hmm. then you will not be like I also thought talking about a play that became a movie mother with an exclamation point kind of has that feeling oh. to me a little bit, mm-hmm. even though it's not. But I hate that movie <laughs> and that melodrama I'm just not on board with it at all, but some people love that movie. So I feel like it's, yeah, if you're on board, which we are with this one, obviously all of us, uh, it's just the vibe, the feeling of it. We get, we understand and we are willing to just let it do whatever it's going to do because we're fascinated by it. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I think it's just like a tone poem of if you like the tone, you'll like it. And if not, you won't. Yeah. Which is the same with the curse. Like I've seen, I've read a lot of reviews about that definitely a mood right yes you have to be in or you just have to maybe be aware yeah openness (laughs) but i also think like i wonder about directing melodrama Mm -hmm. like like to find that perfect balance oh yeah exceedingly difficult when are you veering into camp Mm -hmm. or you know or is that in you know inherent in within the style in some way to degrees, but it's like with melodrama, when you're trying to focus so heavily on essentially you trying to give layers to stereotypes, like they have yeah. to hold that place 
to represent and symbolize something within the story you're trying to tell. Yeah, the and archetype. But you also are focusing so heavily on communicating the emotion in just like the most heavy, like intense way. You know, it's just not just capital letters; it's underlined. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's Leave no. And I think it must be so difficult. Totally. To yeah. Make. Leave no mystery as to what's happening. Yeah. But that's so. You said something interesting that I wanted to talk about was camp. And whether camp is an inherent trait of melodrama or not, because that's something that I think I it's something that I didn't understand about melodrama for a long time. Um, you know, particularly let's like imitation of life, which which has yeah. some. Yeah, of course, like everyone, everyone either is like, oh, or they're like, ha, mm -hmm. you know, and I. <laughs> whether or not. Whether or not it's intended i don't know that camp well you know camp can be intended but it's whether or not it's intended it, it it's it is inherent to it mm. um but that's partially your uh the viewers uh it's not a judgment but a, a processing mm. mechanism mm, yeah. like with with uh with bitter tears that birthday party if you're if you're expecting me to think that that Germans were not giggling during oh, yeah. the, when when she says Malena ten bottles yeah. of gin when she's I, diving you, for the phone I'm so, the diving for the phone like but that's that's here again camp comes into this because it's like yes it is she is expressing the most you know guttural pain and agony and like i i need this to be karen when i answer this phone mm -hmm. i need it mm -hmm. and i'm i believe it will happen i'm so delusional yeah um and so every time it happens it's the same movement it's the same disappointment it's yeah. the same all of this and then it just builds her <laughs> her vitriol so much more and more and more until she's yelling at her daughter saying that she's a horror. Yeah, I know. And Jesus. Uh, <laughs> how much she hates her mother. Yeah. <coughs> well, you're talking about uh, melodrama. Obviously, I just watched all of Twin Peaks, so that's oh, my yeah. line. But I feel like, yeah, David Lynch is definitely a master at the melodrama. And it it's like, I don't know how it's different from camp, but melodrama, it something that can really be repulsive like a caricature it's like a caricature of of human emotion but if it's based in a true archetype i think then it's it can be really beautiful like in this movie mm -hmm. these archetypes like you said earlier ellen where you can see yourself in these different roles there's something real about them even though they're they are just super melodramatic there's something real at the core of it and it's being just extrapolated and like put into higher contrast for us to to see on film in this beautiful way so that's beautiful it's gorgeous but also you know caricature can be repulsive too so it, it mm -hmm. just it's so easily that where's that line and it's hard to to tell but with yeah. this one it's so good and the way david lynch does it and other directors can do it well such amazing todd haynes uh my favorite movie of the last year may december is oh, like yeah. a really perfect yes. example mm -hmm. of melodrama he's circ lover to he is a mm. yeah he's a he's a definite circ acolyte but love. that may december is to me hysterically funny mm -hmm. because it's very campy mm. but no one is being silly like no. there's no silliness to it there's no it's not john waters like <laughs> right you know although there is 
those those lines do intersect. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just <laughs> and same with the Fossbender and John Waters, like those lines intersect. But it never loses its grip on reality like the way a John Waters movie <laughs> might. It never really it's well, always grounded in a way and layered. But one would argue that if you're really nailing it, if you're really holding those characters to type, mm-hmm. if you have them tethered to to what makes the archetype, what makes what creates like these the stereotypical elements that surround that, like if you're holding that, mm-hmm. you can put melodrama and camp as bedfellows. You can put those characters in any mm-hmm. situation and we will still be connecting to the humanity yes. that makes them successful in telling that story yeah as long as it and you can see the understanding of the director and the actor and now the cinematographer and whatever you can see that understanding of that thread with the each character that's and that's the beautiful part that resonates i think yeah like that that groundedness the the kernel of whatever it is it's the thing that you can that the viewer (coughs) can um relate to it's it's yeah Yeah, you know, we can relate to longing. We can all relate to to desire mm-hmm. and unrequited desire, or or uh, things, or just you know something disappointment. We can relate to disappointment and mm. all of these things. So if you amplify that with words, with actions, with colors, with with wigs, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> depending on how with hard, baroque you, yes, with baroque yeah. Yeah. depending on how paintings. far you go, you know, it becomes camp. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you if you never give up, like if you don't if you never fake it, I guess is the thing, yeah. then it always remains real. Mm. And melodrama <laughs> melodrama and camp I think are are the same thing. I just I don't believe that they they exist without each other. Um but it is yeah, it's just whether how far you want to go in these expressions. Mm-hmm. Is, so is the difference between more... Cirque and Waters. Hmm. So more than uh, bedfellows, they are conjoined. I, yeah. That's conjoined a, elements. My, the way I see it, it, it is, mm. it's impossible mm-hmm. to do something genuinely melodramatic, <laughs> which, which by, by its definition is a little over the top, uh, mm. and not have camp enter with like it, it or maybe for me maybe it is a personal yeah. uh, thing i don't want to see it if it doesn't have a little a little touch of camp if you're not um if you're not willing to go that extra step to express these human horrors mm-hmm. well i think it's i don't know i know as you're talking i'm thinking about how about just questioning um moments when i am moved to laughter like while watching melodrama Mm -hmm. and i sometimes i wonder if i'm laughing because the filmmaker and the the actors have have colluded to make that happen just perfectly and intentionally or if i'm laughing because finally i'm i'm feeling some element of this underscored emotion Mm -hmm. um that is making me so uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm actually laughing right. because of that, and I think I'm incapable of of discerning like one from the other. Much like <laughs> I'm saying, like asking the question, like is camp an inherent part of melodrama? You know, how do they how do they connect? 
Um, I think it is like a wonderful um, circumstance to consider with, with that. I think that for me, melodrama gives the vicarious uh, pleasure of being able to have those highs and lows to, to share in that extreme emotion that I think I often feel, but that, you know, we're simply not allowed to have in a public setting, which Mm. doesn't mean that you don't feel it to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's something so cathartic about that. That's what I was thinking the whole time watching Petra in the fourth act, uh, just fawn over Karen, where it was like, it is disgusting, but it's also like, that is what she's feeling. And she's expressing that. And why is that wrong? Why is that so, why am I so opposed to that? Why do I have this like, Mm knee jerk ew don't share those emotions if it's that's what you're you, it's feeling because you know it's not requited you know that it's yeah. it's an uneven you're, but, you're aware of <laughs> you're aware that she's making a fool of herself right but even if she even if it's not who cares she's expressing her yeah. what she truly feels so who gives a shit whether karen loves her back or not it's still how she feels you know it's not going to change that how she feels but her expressing it so just like freely is just like mm. just so weird feeling and yeah it makes you pity her and but but she's actually kind of being strong for doing that i don't know it's just strange i don't know why that's our talk about that ending because (laughs) what happens is we i mean oh yeah people have lots of different ideas about what's going on there right Mm -hmm. is so i'm curious here how how you see it so petra basically like she just breaks on through to the other side. Like it goes so far. Yeah. She has the horror, horror, horror meltdown. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a fever breaking. Right. She's just (laughs) pelting those poor women with the word horror. And maybe, maybe deservedly because one of the things she accuses them of just wanting her for her money. And that might be true. We don't really know, but calling them leeches. Yes. Yeah, totally. Uh huh. That they don't care about her, <laughs> that they're using her, all the all the things, all those lovely things you say to your mom and your daughter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The, but then she finds the peace, right? She she finds her own absolution, or is it the eye of the storm? Or right. are you seeing Petra? Is this what brings her to the place where she is at the beginning of the film? Will she describe this? interlude with Karin in the same kind of like oddly peculiarly fond tone you know but also kind of this detachment is is that mm. is this how she gets to that place I'm just curious to know what you, what you think about the, the calmness and the shift that that character has but then also like what do you think happens with Petra after oh Elena? yeah good question I <clears throat> I kind of look at it in some pretty obvious terms with we this is the first time we're seeing petra petra's hair (laughs) um (laughs) her real hair Mm -hmm. her she's not wearing she's not wearing makeup quote unquote Mm -hmm. um she's she's herself she is she's come out of a delusion what you saying it's like a fever breaking yeah is exactly how i feel about it Mm -hmm. um she awakes from her delusion Mm -hmm. and she's suddenly seeing her life very clearly. Mm. Um, 
after that outburst. And here's the, okay. So this is, <laughs> this is my favorite thing about how this movie ends because it is something that I have thought about since seeing it. And I don't, I don't know what it means, but mm. Petra says to Marlena, uh, I love you. I'm, I, I'm sorry for how I've treated you. Uh, moving forward, I want us to be uh, whatever. Like, I, I can't remember the wording, mm-hmm. but uh, Marlena takes Petra's hand to kiss it. And Petra says, no, not like that. I want you, I want to sit down and I want you to tell me about yourself. Oh, yeah. Right. Which then, God bless it, <laughs> Marlena puts on a record. <laughs> Puts on her fabulous black coat, mm-hmm. drops a suitcase in the middle of the floor, yeah. throws some records in there, oh, throws man. some clothes in there, throws a gun That's in gross. there, which is so the, yeah. the best thing in the world. Yeah. And here's the thing. All the while, Petra is sitting on her bed watching this happen with a huge grin. Mm. She is loving this. Mm. And every... Every moment of that, I'm like, is this Petra? Is Marlena performing this for Petra? Is this like, is this the true kind of orgasm of their S&M relationship? Is this the way that it was meant to, to play out? Hmm. I, th- I like to think of it as Marlena being like, no, uh-uh. Like, I've always kind of been in control of how our relationship has been. Right. And you want to change that, and I'm not down. Mm-hmm. So I'm out of here. But the joy that Petra seems to have while watching it. And at one point, doesn't she kind of like flop back on the bed kind of in ecstasy? <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is she after <laughs> is in her clarity? Is she, is she finding some sort of joy in this? Is she, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to, how to interpret it even. I have not stopped thinking about it. I have not stopped thinking about <laughs> the look on her face. Yeah. During that beautiful, beautiful scene where Marlena packs up all her shit and leaves. I don't, I don't really know either. Uh, I think she knows and understands exactly what's happening with Marlena in that moment and knows that that's was going to be triggered. It seems like she knows, she knows that that's not the way to treat Marlena to get her to stick around. So it's like maybe she was trying to get rid of her. This might just be part of their dance, like you're saying. She yeah. might just pack her bag every two months and or whatever every year and then <laughs> leave, disappear, and then then she comes back in and it's like part of their real whatever their relationship is. I don't think we see enough of their actual relationship to to understand fully what oh. it or, could be. Or is Marlena is Marlena acting out Karen's role in for Petra's benefit? Maybe like, cause Marlena has watched this whole thing. Like here you've, you've invited this woman that you were in love with to live with you. Yeah. It was awful. She left, you gave her money and she left. Um, so now that you are showing me that kind of, that kind of love and respect, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to perform that for you. Is it just annoying that the cake and cream never show up? <laughs> that is really annoying. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's like just fire. Where's the yeah. cake? Where's yeah, just the, where's the kuchen? Just um, <laughs> the kuchen. The, I I think I'm 
more distracted in a and a way I'm absolutely fine with by by the objects and the use of objects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In that the doll. Oh, the fucking oh, doll. Yeah. How did we forget and about the doll? that weird doll? <laughs> and, you know, and it is like such kind of like an overt uh, use of of you know symbolism, but the gun, of course, the pistol. Uh huh. Um, in case people are have they still have any questions about the nature of the relationship between Marlena and Petra, like in a broader sense, mm. the fact that she has a gun, yeah, I think is very defining. Where it's just like, oh, if you're wondering, um, this power structure is deeply understood by both of these people. Yeah, yes. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I, I for, forgot to you about the way she calm. Petrick just completely goes calm and comatose almost <laughs> with her mom. What I thought that scene was going to end up being because Karen calls while her mom's there and her mom answers the phone and then hands it to Petra. And Petra very calmly, just very normally is like, oh, you you think you could make it? Oh, you can't make it, right? Is It's just a regular. It's a very, she accepts the reality of, yeah. of their relationship very subdued and then she holds the phone down and is like i'm okay mom you can go and i thought she was just pretending for her mom but then it doesn't become that it's just she just they do hang up right and it's just like life goes moves on without karen doesn't show up or anything like that so i thought it was going to be just pretend thing in front of her mom but it wasn't it was i guess she that's actually how she felt or she just controlled herself or whatever got under control again and i don't know for me it's just that's such a strange and oddly unfortunately like familiar moment or fortunately i don't know um <laughs> when you after a breakup or after you know like the intensest moments of grief for whatever reason I feel there is that moment that that is like that. There's mm. that moment where you suddenly have the conscious acknowledgement that it is not controlling you yeah. anymore. Yeah. Something has shifted significantly and palpably. Mm -hmm. But it's it's that space and time before you get there when you go from the acute pain through these varying shades of darkness and mm. then what is that isthmus that gets you to that place right yeah it feels like it's in an unknown liminal space and an unquantifiable amount of time <gasps> and then you realize that you had that day and you didn't think about that person mm -hmm. you had that day and you didn't think about that loss mm -hmm. and it is calming Mm. But I also think it's tinged with just a little bit of, of just a, a hint of informed sorrow, right? Yeah. And yeah. then you have to think about whether or not you're going to do it all again. Yeah, totally. Build it back up. That also, the numbing out, too. I mean, you just can't possibly feel that many emotions without <laughs> just burning out your all your nerve endings. So I know. I think of the last birthday when I screamed at everyone. <laughs> they were whores. Yeah. I mean, 
how many times do I have to apologize to you two? I know. Okay. It was, sorry. Sorry, whores. It was I awkward. Quit using me. Was, Quit using me, whores. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that I have made it clear to you, Ellen, that I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen, I'm going to Miami. Ian, can I have- here in camp in that meltdown. I'm going to really Miami. for me. Going to Miami for six months. Can I have some money? <laughs> some spending money? <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, that- It's Ooh, very- interesting even that even the whole relationship with karen might have been part of her and marlena's situ like i'm marlena it's like this whole tease and like all those emotions it might have been just like an act a play for this the gratification of the relationship between petra and marlena having karen come live with them having this tease this young girl they might have been just fucking with her the whole time and like that might have been part of the like sexual relationship between them it's so fascinating i also you know you don't know marlena for me the whole time is this like little steaming pot that just might is going to explode at some point <laughs> and you're wondering and worried about what's going to happen with that when she crawls under the bed to get <laughs> this weird shot of karen on top of the bed reading her magazine and then she's like i think that lady has a screw loose There's like something's weird about her when she crawls under the bed to give petra her shoe and you're just like <laughs> she is watching and waiting in the corners of the room and she is going to explode and kill karen or kill petra <laughs> something like some Something oh, wild's so gonna happen because I was. I know we're not really there, mm -hmm. but are we a couple blocks away from Joe's rewrite corner? Oh, oh my yeah. god! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! No, would I even dare to oh rewrite? My god. Oh wow! Um. <laughs> no, I mean, I, please do it. I would, please do almost. it. <laughs> I would never be able to. It would be like uh, Marlena just comes jumping in of the gun and shoots Karen in the head. I really thought she was going to kill Petra though by the end. I really thought I that was going to happen. I wasn't sure where where it was going to end. Like I really had no idea if it was going to become violent or yeah, or it felt like or if it was nervous. just going I part of me thought I that I mean I think this film is violent. Yeah. <laughs> just not like that. Yeah. What's funny is that one of the things that I did think from the beginning, I thought, oh, Marlena's gonna leave her at the end. Like this is the what's going to happen is Marlena's gonna leave her and we're gonna realize that the one loving relationship in her life is now gone. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, and of course I get what I I get what I ask for, and it's not at all what I thought it was. Like this yeah. uh, I love this movie. I love this movie. It is amazing. Fan fucking tastic. Thank you, Ellen. Yeah. So much for picking this. Great pick. It really makes up for the craft yeah. legacy. It really, like you, you actually, you have like five bad ones in, in the bank for this. <laughs> Just for yeah. Petra. Oh, yeah. Bad links. That's exciting. Hold that thought. Well, this is going to be a tough segment, but it's time for Pick, Pick Your Folk. <laughs> oh this is not fair to Eric and I. It's homophobic. <laughs> um, I guess Petra. <laughs> I'm going Ellen on this one. but uh, <laughs> Ellen, mm. do you have a, you have a poke? Uh, I mean, no. I mean, yes and no. It's everything. All of it. All it's of it. All, all of it and every, everyone. Everyone. 
It's Petra's gown, her like disco Clint Gustav. <laughs> disco, Clint. disco, Clint. Yep. Disco Clint. Mine is her. Her birthday. No, it's her birthday oh, outfit. The, the blue, with the, red the blue flower. with the red flower, oh, and, the, and the blonde wig. Like that yeah. whole ensemble is so perfect. It's perfect for like throwing it's... yourself across a shag carpet at, at the phone. <laughs> it's that beautiful tiered column, mm -hmm. that gorgeous color. Yeah. yeah, I would say the clothes, but I feel like there's so many other other things. I can't say I do love all of the clothes because I really, really disliked the pink labial top. Uh, I that she <laughs> I in the in oh. the act where she's where she gets rid of uh, really Karen. Oh, I, I love it. I don't mind really it. Yeah, it's it. just huh. so it's just I, the top. I didn't like the the rest of it was great, but that those little flaps were. Paul, the the um, yeah, the curtains. The, did I say Paul? You did. <laughs> um, the mom you, daughter outfits too. Holy when, shit! When you guys stayed here up in the mm. in the loft, mm -hmm. um, do you remember the rug? Because that rug is a Petra, <laughs> bitter tears of Petra Von Kahn. Oh, really? Reference. Is it like a shag, uh -huh. white shag? Mm -hmm. I do it's, vaguely it's remember. It's that exact, like, Flocati rug. I kind of want one of those. I love that. <laughs> I that... have a, I just have always been obsessed with that. When we, those yeah. Rugs. we. I, I just remember from that night we stayed at your place and then we, like, giggled like schoolgirls yeah. until <laughs> fully just asleep. Like, it was, like, had such sleepover middle school energy. That was so fun. <laughs> such a good sleepover my last note that i have that i have written down is 10 stars oh wow holy shit <laughs> 10 out of out of oh, five that's so much. uh have either oh, of you so ever crushed a glass in your hand <laughs> oh jesus no <laughs> i never have either i do want to at some point <laughs> no i don't think you do no probably not <laughs> probably shouldn't do that have Consider you ever your tendons Joe. yeah <gasps> jesus so I'm scary. excited for the the two of you to dive into Fassbender. Yeah, I'm Hell excited yeah. to like reshape like... my opinion of Fassbender because the only things that I've seen of his pre before this were um uh -huh. oh wait no yeah Carell did you see Fox and his friends and Fox and his friends those mm. are the only two you didn't like them I did not I I mm. I didn't understand Carell mm. <laughs> which when you get to it. <laughs> You'll understand why. That's, um, I mean, fair. Yeah, it's it's fair. a weird, it's a real weird one. And then Fox and His Friends was the one that my friend John I asked like, "What's the movie that I need to watch to get me into Fossbender?" And he suggested that, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It didn't do it for me. But huh. now that I've seen this, uh -huh. I feel like I have. I feel like it might be the Rosetta Stone for me to understand. Yeah how his movies move and and work mm -hmm. so i'm just i'm thrilled i'm excited to like revisit all of them mm -hmm. i think i mean there's so many incredible films but i think joe that you in particular um might be very moved by uh fox and his friends oh yeah okay Fassbender's in in the film mm -hmm. oh. but also it holds this space it's what 1970 1975 74 75 <laughs> i think it's mid-70s yes uh -huh. and um <gasps> the it focuses on 
there's a, a gay lead character and it focuses on him and his group of friends, but mm. their sexuality is not the focus of oh. the story. It just so happens that they That's are gay awesome. characters. Wow. I mean, it, it, it enters into the story in the way that any heteronormative types of relationships mm. would um be that's supporting amazing characters. for so the mid 70s i would think that maybe it would be well i'll be curious to hear what you say yeah it, it might be something that you really appreciate on a number of different levels but one of them i think may be that it it is a, a film that sees you oh you that know? sounds amazing yeah definitely we'll watch that speaking of have you seen peter peter von, von kant have is you seen that, it is that francois ozon it is yeah okay i have to watch that like now yeah um because i love ozon and now uh i'm obsessed with Petra von kant. <laughs> and this is peter von kant, kant is a remake of this bitter tears with men mm -hmm. basically Yes. Or fully. So it's not a fashion designer. He's a film director. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Did you see it? I, I will. When you, when after you see it, we could talk about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, I did see it. Oh, and <gasps> Werner Fassbender. But it's recent. That's like, was it last year? Yeah. Two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Is was was homosexual? I didn't realize. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. He's I a also... real sweaty <laughs> homosexual. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was thinking while i was watching this this time because i had just seen passages oh yeah i want to watch that and, too and um i thought that it, there was some really interesting parallels there not um in a literal sense but just in in the characters and mm. that interplay that sounds yeah i want so, to watch that my friend that came up a couple times this last week passages uh and you said it was great i just saw some similarities and i mean <coughs> the I this uh, a movie that keeps popping into my head while we're talking about it is i am love and i don't really know mm. why i think especially with her daughter that scene where she's talking about finding love and all that um and mm. i guess the melodrama melodrama of it a yeah. little bit i think also the just the look of i am love the colors oh and yeah the, the I wonder if Luca was inspired by, I'm sure he was. There's no way that any yeah. filmmaker that we like has not, <laughs> he has not seen this movie. <laughs> like, poured over. <laughs> but the, um, <laughs> the mom and daughter, when they show up in there, the mom is in this like, like purple pink paisley <laughs> colonel outfit, <laughs> like navy, <laughs> like, like barren navy and then the daughter is also sort of in this like sailor yellow sailor <laughs> outfit it's so oh. strange i just i love it's very the very colors. stylized 72 yeah <laughs> yeah it um, is wild <clears throat> so this is another i was shocked to find out that petra was 35 uh from the beginning of the <laughs> oh, movie yeah. like and it's because of the wigs it's 100 mm. percent because of the wigs i thought she was so much older mm -hmm. and that and at the end when she's when she's wigless and just uh -huh. presenting her her own face i'm like oh you are 35 and you're gorgeous mm -hmm. like truly luminous yeah <laughs> well she's but like, until then i was like she's course. i felt i kept getting the vibe of like much older woman much older successful woman mm. Mm. 
you're so distinguished for your age. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot. They play um, into that, right? Like, it's not just mm-hmm. Oh, they definitely. She's sexist. Like dressed down at the beginning. She looks like she's, like, anemic at the beginning. Yeah. She is, like, I think mm-hmm. they. Just, they really dig into the paleness. <laughs> yeah. You know, where, and the way that she's always in bed, it's, it's mm-hmm. like, brings up more questions. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but she opens the film, you know, in bed, and, and we see her, her clean face and her. Mm-hmm. Regular, her real hair, and we watch her make herself into Petra von Kahn. Yeah. yeah, she smears that makeup in with her oily fingers, like just all over her face. It is, well, and then she looks incredible. Everything. Yeah. So <coughs> all right. Is it time for it's the time to link. links? Oh yeah. It's time open I can't season even links. Guess. Oh, starting with Joe. Yeah. So I loved Margaret Carstensen. <laughs> Perfect pronunciation. <laughs> Margit Karstensen, who played Petra, was fucking incredible and layered and amazing. And she's also in a film called Possession, which I think you both know about. <laughs> and oh, I yeah. think we've chosen this as we a link both before. Know. I, I know of. T- <laughs> you, you know of t- Possession? It's known of. You, it's known of by you. <laughs> and I knew it, Horatio. <laughs> <laughs> and we. this has come up before as a as a pick um, i think it has but it didn't get chosen and i was very curious i mean just based on the poster honestly it's fucking incredible and <laughs> it's 1981 do we read bios now we can as part of our <clears throat> 1981 a woman starts exhibiting increasingly disturbing behavior after asking her husband for a divorce suspicions of infidelity <laughs> soon give way to something much more sinister and is it a possession <laughs> the sinister thing i wonder <laughs> Ellen, so that's my choice you got you got one? Oh, can i i have to mention the two that i just really hope for and am releasing so i'm gonna <laughs> list those two and then yeah so i had three things and so oh. i was just going with the fashion designer and fashion connection Mm. Um, and so of course immediately i'm just much like you were always trying to get us to after hours i'm always trying to get us to eyes of laura mars (laughs) oh yes (laughs) (laughs) um or and or blow up but those are both like modely fashion things Mm. but i was like well what's a more direct line Mm -hmm. and so of course I have no other choice. It's mahogany. Holy God. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Oh my God, mahogany. (laughs) (laughs) Ellen is on fire this season. Uh, in the sense that I'm burning it down. Yeah, you really like <laughs> you are Marlena of this podcast. Just like, <laughs> you just threw a gun in your bag. Scorching our podcast earth. What is That's this? Right. It's uh, a right. mahogany is Diana Ross and Anthony Perkins mm. <clears throat> and Billy D. Billy D. Uh, yeah. It's a. Uh, <laughs> I don't really amazing. want to say anything about it in case we end up watching you- it. <laughs> Um, I'll do you want me to read you the I am little IMDb? Yeah, yeah, thing. Okay, so Mahogany's 1975, um, crazily directed by one of the directors, of which there are three. <laughs> one of the directors is Barry Gordy. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, 
Tracy, an aspiring designer from the slums of Chicago, puts herself through fashion school in the hopes of becoming one of the world's top designers. Her ambition leads her to Rome, spurring a choice between the man she loves or her newfound success. Ooh, that sounds awesome. <coughs> I love it. <coughs> Mahogany. <coughs> well, uh, my pick was possession. Really? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Whoa. But then uh, I think we know what should we're going to do. do. For Margit. Well, I have an alt. Are we going to count down? Margit. I, oh, I have an alt in case. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present the alt, and then you can either say, like, no, or... <laughs> Well, because okay, because possession possession was my genuine pick. Uh, because I do want to, mm-hmm. I want to watch it knowing, uh, Petra's in it. Um, it's a it, that movie has recently been re released, so it's been talked about a lot on a lot of podcasts recently, oh. which I, mm-hmm. I give zero shits about because we have we definitely have our own style. But we are um, the world's first heart to heart podcast. Correct. So. <laughs> no one has brought a heart to heart. Style, so yeah, one hundred and twenty something. <laughs> yeah, our pride is wrapped up in <laughs> being first. Um, <laughs> but my my alt was, <laughs> and this is kind of I guess shady. It's uh color. Um, the the colors of mm. the bitter tears of Betcher Van Kant reminded me of the films of Spanish director Pedro Almodovar, and mm. I Terrific. chose What Have I Done to Deserve This. <laughs> Hmm. Um, <laughs> which also like kind of if we would be continuing on a train of uh female led melodrama <laughs> what's the bio for that <laughs> film oh, <Lord. laughs> uh the vicissitudes of gloria a neurotic housewife and her family's peculiar characters the vicissitudes yeah. <laughs> that's such a Just weird the, description yeah. <laughs> yeah i'll watch anything about vicissitudes <laughs> the daily life you do live for it i live for vicissitudes um, Okay, the so vicissitudinal virgin, Bill <laughs> Garber. Yeah, this is vicissitudinal. Gosh, do we want to three, two, one this? Oh, or what do you want to do? Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, let's new let's new rule. Okay, so Eric, you're. I feel like you can. So state your state your. What's your state my case potential link? Yeah, which which one are you gonna go with? I kind of. I kind of want to do possession because Joe picked it and because I, it was my OG pick. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> if we end up on the wheel, I'm going to have women, uh, not women on the verge. Uh, what have I done to deserve this mm. as my pick for randomness's mm-hmm. okay. sake? Mm. But if we all decide that possession's the way to go, let's do possession. Uh, my, Are we going to count down? Oh, yeah, we can do that. Did you want to state your case? My or? case is just oh, sorry, that I Jack. wanted to see Margit more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I thought about choosing another Fassbender, uh, which I will definitely be just, but I also didn't want to wait for the podcast to like consume more, I think. So I want to <laughs> just watch more of those immediately. And Peter Von Kant was also, I was going to choose that one because I really want to watch that. But uh, yeah. we run the risk of becoming a Fassbender podcast at that point. We I can't, mean, we we're, can't. <laughs> we're already like, we're, we're starting off in uh, Euro avant-garde cinema, yes, yeah, I'm kind of all about. We're about vicissitudes. <laughs> or we do mahogany. <laughs> yeah, I would be very well, happy. I feel like, I mean, both of you picked possession, so that's a majority, right? But shall we still just humor ourselves by 3-2-1-ing it? 
Yeah. Sure. We might be surprised. Okay. Three, two, two. one. Possession. 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 Oh, <laughs> a twist. Oh, God. <laughs> Listener, I apologize in advance. I, <laughs> I, if you made it through uh, Petra von Kant with the, uh, with he, your, your love for us intact, um, Tread lightly into possession with us. Um, <laughs> this is really, what? it's a movie, it's a movie that, uh, it's very avant-garde. Mm. It's, uh, it deals with some really kind of heavy subject matter, but in a, in, in such a way, <laughs> in such an Eastern European avant-garde way that it's kind of hard to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I will say about it. Um, it is streaming on AMC Plus. I do believe that means it's on Shutter. Um, You're making me want to watch it even more. It, it and as I said earlier, it was just re-released, <clears throat> um, so it's available on Blu-ray and DVD from your local video store, or from um, uh, the library. And speaking of which, let me see if it's on Canopy because it very well might be. Um, it is. It's on Canopy. So you can watch it for free there. Hmm. Um, and I do want, I, I would love it if you watched it listener. And if you do, <laughs> please write to us <laughs> more so than anything. <laughs> I want to know what you're thinking of this, this fucked up movie and your minute maxes. Oh, and <laughs> if you can position. do a minute max, this is going to be the hardest minute max for any of us. I promise. <laughs> um, Another film I was going to choose was Duke of Burgundy, <clears throat> but uh obviously not in the era that i'm looking for because it came out in 2014 such right? a great movie but that have was... you seen that ellen i didn't even hear what you said the duke of burgundy duke of burgundy nope it oh. was heavily inspired apparently by uh bitter tears yeah beautiful movie yeah huh. so i will watch that in my free time yes mm. uh all right listener thank you for hanging out with us i hope you do watch possession with us because it's that's a hoot mm. um <laughs> i'm gonna do, we're gonna do i'm gonna do my best to to get get us back on schedule um mm. after my illness and all kinds of other random shit we've just been up yeah. in the air yeah. with scheduling mm. but i promise that we're we're trying to get back on track Mm-hmm. And Eric uh, won't have a cough anymore. <laughs> God, I hope not. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Mm. And I can't take any medicine because I have to go drive now. Mm. Um, but listener, follow us on Instagram at It Was Murder Pod. And you can follow us on Twitter at It Was Murder Pod. And you can write to us at It Was Murder Pod at gmail.com. Yes. Um, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Please, please, please. If you give us five stars and you write anything, you can just write uh, bitter tears <laughs> and uh, it will let Apple Podcasts know that there are people that listen to this and it will help connect more people to this podcast so more people can join this randomness that is heart to heart adjacent. Um, Tell us which character from Bitter Tears we each are. Oh God. <laughs> uh, <coughs> I'm going to, I don't know if, I don't know if you noticed, I've decided to uh, place Boba in the movie posters of everything that we were watching. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> so uh, I'm nice. right after this, I'm going to edit this and find the correct image of Boba that corresponds to <laughs> Fetcher Von Kant. Great. And I will upload them now. I have, so. a, I have a feeling I know which outfit she's going to be wearing. <laughs> <laughs> And I am going to listen to the theme song to Mahogany. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know? 
Where are you going to? Where are you going to? Uh, okay. <laughs> That's it. We love you. Love you. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. Oh, yes.